We have no Harley sounds where I come from right now at all, so it's good to be back in South Florida. Proverbs chapter 3, if you would. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Father, we just want to ask for your help tonight. Lord, we thank you that you are an infinitely trustworthy God. And we just want to offer this meeting up to you. We pray, Father, that you would do with this time what you know needs to be done. Lord, nobody in the universe, nobody in the cosmos loves the people in this room the way that you do. Father, nobody in the universe knows what the people in this room need the way that you do. Father, you see so many things in our lives that that we see, and you see many more things that we're not even aware of. Father, we just want to pray tonight that you would have your way with each and every one of us, and that we would have the privilege of walking away at the end of this night, having clearly heard the voice of the living God through the Word of God. Father, we're looking forward to a great weekend in the Word, and we pray that you would just get us started on the right foot tonight. We commit this time to you for the honor and glory and pleasure of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray these things in His name. Amen. I was in Kenya in '09, so a couple years back now, and on a Sunday morning, I went and sat in the home of an elder in... Has anybody been to Kenya, by the way? Here? Okay. I went and sat in the, in the home of an elder named Pews. Um, it, it's actually, it's spelled pious. He was named after the Pope and, um, and uh, later in life was saved. He had a good job in Nairobi, Kenya, city of about 3 million people. Um, we were in the middle of a slum in Nairobi that had about 500,000 people that live in the slum. And we walked into the, the slum and we sat in his home and um, it was a home that was about... Um, oh, I'm guessing, I'm not great at such things, but it was probably 10 feet by 15 feet where his family lived. He and his wife and their four daughters. Um, he quit his good job in Nairobi and moved into that slum to see a work of God started by the grace of God. And um, we were going to go meet with the Christians later that morning. They brought us tea to drink and they brought us the best food that, that they had in the world, which was saltine crackers individually wrapped in, in, double, in double crackers. And I didn't even feel like eating the crackers, not because they weren't appetizing, but because I knew this is the best food that this man has in the world. Uh, the tea that they brought out, they had used the tea bags over and over again. It was the best, the best tea that they had. And so um, by our terms, it was like hot, dirty water and saltine crackers. And we sat there and we had this tremendous conversation. Um, He told me about two of the Christians. He said, some of the Christians are hurting this morning. And I said, well, how come? He said, two of the men witnessed a robbery and they they thought about what to do. They prayed about it. They walked out of Haruma and they told the police. The police in Nairobi don't even come into the 500,000 person community that is Haruma. So they walked out and they told the police. And the police said, okay, thank you. Uh, The police went in and arrested the criminals, brought them out, put them in a police car. And then they said, for such and such amount of money, if you go get that money and give it to us, we'll tell you who came and told us. 
And so they said, sure. They went back into Haruma. They got the money. They came out. The police told them who had told, and they went back into Haruma and shot these two men and killed them. And this, this elder uh, that I, I love this man, um, and I don't mean this to be funny in any way. He's actually on Facebook. If you, if you would want to befriend this guy, he's on Facebook. His name is Pews. He's a friend, friend of mine on Facebook. Um, he looked at me. He was being gracious and humble, but very direct. And, and he said, um, you don't trust the Lord. He said, we trust the Lord. And he didn't mean it as an insult. He just meant, he said, when we have someone break into our homes when we're at the meetings of the assembly, we trust the Lord and we pray about it. Uh, when we can't feed our children, we trust the Lord and we pray about it. And he just had this list of things that he went through. And then he kept saying, we trust the Lord and we pray about it. Now, I couldn't argue with him, nor would I have any heart to argue with him sitting there in that situation. Is what he was saying true? Sure it was, right? Now, I know he would agree with this. Is there a different aspect in which the life of faith, regardless of whether you live in a 500,000-person per slum in Kenya or whether you live in Western civilization, is there an aspect where the life of faith is, is the life for every Christian? Sure, right? And so we read our verses tonight, trust in the Lord with all your heart. They have to trust the Lord if someone breaks into their home and if they can't feed their kids. We have to trust in the Lord uh, for slightly different things. And if you took just the people in this room tonight, and I mean this literally, we would have to trust the Lord for very different things, wouldn't we? Now, I don't know, and so I can just stand here. This is one of the great joys of being able to travel around. I can stand here and just speak completely freely because I have no idea what's going on in the assembly. Some of you may have miserable marriages. Some of you may be trying, and the other person does not appear to be trying at all, and you can't see your way out the end of the tunnel, right? From your perspective, there's no light, right? And you, maybe you've lived that way for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. Boy, I joyfully offer you tonight, trust in the Lord with all your heart. If that's, if that's the issue, boy, please, this works for every situation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. The word trust, it means to rely on, depend on, or to put confidence in. I like that. So simple, so practical. To rely on, to depend on, to put confidence in. What are you relying on? What are you depending on? What are you putting your confidence in? Well, the scripture in such a clear way, I'd say most of you probably have this memorized, praise the Lord. In such a straightforward way, the scripture says to put your confidence in to depend on and to rely on the Lord with all your heart. I like that little word, all. It seems like everywhere I read, and sorry, I went like this because I have a square around it in my Bible. Um, um, it seems like everywhere I read in the scriptures these days, that word all just jumps off the page. I'm sure you have experiences like that where it doesn't matter where you read. It's like it's, uh, the scripture is always making the same point wherever you go. Um, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This whole half-hearted Christianity is disgusting to Jesus Christ. I love you with half of my heart. I want to give you half. That's disgusting. Lukewarm Christianity is disgusting to Jesus Christ. 
Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, In all your ways, acknowledge him. The scripture is just riddled with this. The jealousy of the living God. And here it's the aspect of putting your trust in the Lord with all of your heart. The idea of heart in the Hebrew, it, it is, um, it's emotional. That's the way we use it most of the time. A young guy will go up to a young lady and say, I love you with all my heart. And what he's saying is, I feel a certain way about you. Um, in the Hebrew, it's actually primarily intellectual and secondarily emotional. I think this is great, personally. What that means is that this instruction in the Hebrew is telling God's people to intellectually make a choice to put their trust, to place their trust in the living God with all of their intellect. Now, it would carry the idea of emotions too, but emotions follow intellect. So what that means is tonight, you can make a conscious choice, regardless of emotion, I am going to trust the living God. Isn't that nice? This is one of the greatest privileges of my life, to be able to trust this living God. You feel that way? Yeah. I trust that you do. I brought this just as, just as my little object lesson. Um, almost a year ago, it was Super Bowl Sunday, that's why I remember. I was flying home from Houston, Texas, and I was sitting on the airplane, and my phone at the time, this is a different phone, but my phone at the time, the battery wasn't working very well. And so I'm sitting there reading my Bible, exhausted after a long weekend, and the battery on my phone died. And so I thought, that's fine. I mean, I was tired anyway. So I put my phone away, and I'm just sitting there, exhausted. Um, I get so tired. I've talked with other brothers, and they'll say similar things. But I get so tired sometimes at the end of a long weekend that I'll almost feel physically sick um, sitting there in the airport going home. And I'm just exhausted. And so I'm sitting there on the plane, and I look to my left, and there's a guy sitting there with an iPad, and he's reading a book. Right? So he'll read the page and then turn the page, read it and turn. The guy in front of him is sitting with an iPad, and he's working away at at 33,000 feet with this little wireless keyboard, right? Probably making money at 33,000 feet, just sitting there working away. The guy next to him is watching a video on an iPad. The lady in front of me is reading a book on an iPad. The guy next to her is playing Angry Birds on an iPad. And everywhere I looked, um, there were these people with these iPads. Now, my conscience, just to tell you, my conscience was totally clear um, in terms of covetousness or anything like that. But I sat there with my phone with a dead battery, and, and I thought to myself, you know, an iPad would be a good tool for me to use in my traveling for the Lord. And then you can, you, maybe you'll chuckle at this, but, but I said to the Lord, Lord, would it be better for me to have a MacBook Air Um, to travel with or would it be better for me to have an iPad to travel with and I thought you know 95% of the places that I go have a wireless connection as long as I have a wireless connection I can use the full extent of my Bible software these cost half as much as a MacBook Air I thought that would be a good tool for me to use and so one time on that flight home from Houston Texas I said to the Lord Lord would you please buy me an iPad thank you And uh, we landed, I got my car, um, I, drove, I drove home. A lot of times the trip from the airport home, I don't remember hardly at all. Um, it was the middle of the night. I drove home, uh, slept in as long as I could. The older I get, the less that is. And um, I got up the next day. Uh, this part isn't fun to tell, but it's the truth. Um, I will not be happy to give an account someday 
for that next day. When I stand before Jesus Christ, which is what we're going to talk about for most of this weekend, um, it wasn't a good day for me. And I don't mean because of any circumstance. I mean because of my own stinking selfishness and other things. Um, I remember biting at my wife and biting at my kids several times throughout that day, even though I was trying to control it. I remember leaving for a men's meeting at the chapel that night uh, to go to the men's meeting. I did not want to go to the men's meeting. Um, just, I was just in a bad mood. Uh, it not had been a good day, but you don't make such decisions based on whether or not you have a good day, right? And so off to the men's meeting I went. I left my home. All I remember, this is probably the grace of God, I don't remember more, but all I remember is, is biting with my words at my wife as I walked out the door to go serve the Lord at the men's meeting at the chapel. I wanted to get the men's meeting over as quick as I could. Um, it did go quickly. We closed in prayer. I gathered my stuff together. I said, hey, you know, good to see you guys. Smiled, stood up, started walking out of the chapel, and somebody from behind me said, Scott, do you have a second? I turned around, smiled again, and said, sure. And um, he said, he pulled me aside. He said, have you ever thought of having an iPad? And, uh, and I said, I've thought of it. And um, he said, would you like to have an iPad? And I said, I, I, I didn't know what to say. I just kind of stood there. He said, well, my wife and I have prayed about it. Um, we think that this would be a good tool for you to use in your service for the Lord. And if you have time, we would like to take you and buy you an iPad. And uh, I said, I have time. Um, <laughs> and we walked out into the parking lot. Um, we went and bought an iPad. He let me choose the color. I chose white. Um, and uh, I got back to the chapel parking lot. I got into my own vehicle by myself. I called my wife, and, and I said, do you want to hear how the Lord humbled me? And, uh, and in her own such sweet, gracious way, she said, that's up to you, sweetheart. <laughs> and, and I told her this story. Um, now, I'm doing my best just to tell you exactly, exactly how it happened. Uh, in the last two years, the Lord has taken me out behind the proverbial woodshed and, and paddled me. Um, and it's more painful than when my dad used to appropriately discipline me and love growing up. Uh, the Lord has disciplined me in so many different ways. In fact, to such extents at times that I'll tell, I think you all know Steve Price. I'll tell Steve, who's a good friend on the phone, I just feel like I'm wrong all the time. And... Uh, and, I mean, the Lord has disciplined me in so many myriads of different ways. And on that Monday night, uh, the Monday after the Super Bowl last year, um, the Lord said, okay, I'm going to really get him good this time. And he used his grace uh, to break me, to humble me, to make me realize how I'd been acting, you know, all, all day long. And the only reason I'm telling you this is that the greatest privilege of my life is to know this God and to be able to trust this God, who does all things well, who's never been selfish, never made a mistake. And so the scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's a kid's memory verse, and we love it. It's a great verse. Living it is very different than memorizing it, right? Living it out. When, when marriage turns into, into um, the battle that marriage can be at times, as opposed to the, just the hopes and dreams of youth. Uh, living it out, um, I'm not going to go into all the details, but traveling around North America, you see an awful lot of stuff. Sometimes I wish I saw less than I do. 
It's one thing to live out this verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And it's another thing to, to, to intellectually know it or just to talk about it. But it's, I'll just say it one more time. What a privilege to trust in, the, in this God, the, the living God, a God that has never failed. It's the way you get into the Christian life by trusting. The, the Greek word pistis or pistuo, you've got a verb form and a noun form. Uh, it's translated belief. It's translated faith all through the New Testament. Both of them carry the idea of trust. It's the same concept, trusting. How does a person get saved? They believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. You trust in the Lord. It's how a person goes from death to life. Uh, there's a girl that came up to my wife and I um, in Manitoba about 18 months ago, and, and she said, um, can I talk to you? And we set up a time to talk. We sat down with her the next day, and she said, I really want to be a good mom, but I get so angry, and then I scream at my kids, and then they go away scared, and then I go away and I cry, and then I come back and I beg for their forgiveness, and then I come back, and and... Uh, we keep living life, and then they do something. I get so angry, and I explode again. And she just describes this and other problems she's having. She just keeps describing being a slave of sin. I've never met this girl before, and so I started the same place that I hope everyone would start, with the gospel. And so I said, have you come to the point in your own spiritual life that you know for sure that if you died today that you'd go to heaven? And she says, I certainly hope so. She was humble, she was contrite, she was completely deadly serious. I want to be a good mother, and I find that I can't do it. Can you help me? Do you have anything to offer me? And so we, we said, well, if you did die today, and you stood outside the gates of heaven, and the Lord Jesus Christ came out and said to you, why, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say to him? And she gave us a crystal clear gospel of works. And she was completely serious about everything she said. I'm really trying to do this, and I'm really trying to do this. And I know that I fail, but I'm really trying to do this. And she just gave, she was trying to earn her way. Well, it took about an hour and 45 minutes, as best as I remember. At one point, my wife leaned over and touched her knee. We were reading Ephesians 2, uh, 8, through, 8 through 10, mostly 8 and 9 at that point. And she leans over, and she touches Stephanie's knee, and she says, Did you know you could put your name in that verse? And, uh, and so Stephanie begins to say these little phrases, right? Not of Stephanie, not of Stephanie, instead of not of works, right? Not of Stephanie, not of Stephanie. Eventually, it took a long time, but eventually Stephanie looks up and she realizes salvation by grace through faith. And I asked her, do you want to be saved? And she said, yes. Do you want to be saved right now? Yes. Do you want to talk to the Lord? Yes. And she bows her head crying and she prays this incredibly simple and beautiful prayer she even confessed sin but not sins she didn't go through this big laundry list of sins plural but she confessed sin that she was a sinner and needed a savior it was just beautiful and then she looks up with this tear-stained face and i said did the lord save you and she shook her head and smiled and i went how do you know that the lord saved you and she said, for by grace are you saved through faith. And she just <laughs> rattles it off. And uh, anyways, it's the way you get into the Christian life, right? Nobody gets into the Christian life any other way than salvation by grace through faith. Trust in the Lord for salvation. It's also the way you continue on in the Christian life. I was saved when I was five years old. I still remember it. Concrete steps, 
landscaping in the front yard. I had lied to my father. Um, I remember all of it. Um, I mean, it's fuzzy, but I remember that day. Um, I even remember the tools that we laid down so I could go sit and talk to my dad and confess my sin and then tell him, not only did I sin against you, but I have a bigger problem than that. Well, that was when I was five years old that I accepted the Lord as my Savior and was eternally saved at five years old. Praise the Lord. When I was 15 years old, I had the biggest wrestling match of my Christian life. I wanted to fit in with the world. I wanted to be accepted by the football player friends that were the most important social group in my life at that point. My Christian life was characterized by idolatry, namely football. I lifted weights two and a half hours a day, five days a week. Um, I arranged my school schedule for football. Uh, My social life was football. I mean, it was just all of it. That was the center of my life. I lived as a hypocrite, one way in the local church, a different way in the, in the school. Um, a huge wrestling match between me and the Holy Spirit. It was the most miserable time of my Christian life. And I finally decided that I think if I go the way that the Lord has said to go in this book, I think if I do that, I'll never be sorry. And I think if I don't do that, that I'll end up deeply regretting it. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I don't remember. I probably did know the verse at the time, but I don't, I don't remember. But that was about the extent of my thoughts at the time. That was the, the smartest decision that I have ever made in my Christian life, trying to be specific here. The decision to go God's way. The decision to yield. The decision to believe Him and trust Him. Boy, I look at so many Christians that, that I grew up with a youth group that had 175 people in our high school youth group. So many of those people did not make those decisions. And their lives are so radically different today because of it. So all I'm trying to do is highlight the fact that you trust the Lord with all your heart. That's the way you get into the Christian life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's the way you continue on in the Christian life. It carries the idea of a full commitment, soul, spirit, body, full commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. The word commit, it means to hand over to someone, to keep, use, take care of, or manage. I think that's so good, I'll repeat it. The word commit, you've heard of a committed Christian probably. It means to hand over to someone, in this case the Lord, to keep, use, take care of, or manage. So the whole idea is, Lord, here I am. You can keep me any way you want. You can manage my life any way you want. You can use me any way you see fit. Keep, use, take care of. I trust you to take care of me. That's the simple concept. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's one thing to talk about it. It's a different thing to live it out in the battles of life. Now that brings us to... The second point, by the way, in my outline, that's point number one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then point number two in my outline, lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. The idea of leaning is to support oneself. The same Hebrew word is used of Moses when he leans on his staff. The idea that you need some propping up. And so you're going to lean on something. Well, specifically, the Word of God says, lean not on your own understanding. So do not support yourself with your own ability to think yourself through different situations. Are you ever tempted to do that? 
Yeah, I'm tempted to do that at times. You just have to figure this out, right? And the Lord will specifically lead you into situations where you can't figure it out. And he teaches you. You're not made for independence. You're made for dependence. It's not the godly part of me that wants independence from the Lord. The godly part of me wants to be dependent on the Lord that says, you can trust me with all of your heart. The Lord, um, about, a, about a year ago, a year and three or four months ago, um, I remember we paid off all of our credit cards in September. I remember that specifically. And then we started into the fall conference season. And um, I was flying out most weekends, usually three weekends a month, uh, flying different places. And um, it was a tremendously blessed time of ministry. Um, I was buying... Um, $650 plane tickets, $850 plane tickets, you know, just over and over again. And over the course of just a couple months, I went from having all my credit cards paid off to I remember when I, I couldn't pay off 2000 and then I remember when I couldn't pay off 4000 and then I remember when I couldn't pay off 6000 And I was talking to my wife, and we were praying, and something had obviously changed. Um, I remember we got all the way down to um, where I could not pay off about $10,000 on credit cards. Um, just It was mostly just pretty much just plane tickets um, during that time. And um, I remember asking the elders at the assembly and asking the Lord and just wondering what in the world is going on. And um, long story short, um, the Lord was directing me and the Lord was correcting me. And once I accepted the correction of the Lord and the direction of the Lord, it was amazing. Once I realized what he was doing and humbled myself and sought him in that, it was amazing. The money started coming from everywhere. Now, I think also you all know Joe Reese. I told this story this summer at West Virginia when Joe was with me. And we got back to our cabin later on that night, and he kind of furrowed his brow, you know. And, uh, and he said, now... When you say money came from everywhere, do you just mean that um, those conferences forgot to give you gifts and then they sent it later? And, uh, and I said, no. Um, and anyway, we had this great talk. But it was amazing. Once the Lord directed me, once the Lord corrected me, once we sought him, un having understood what he was doing, um, then $1,000 would come from here, um, 1500 would come from here, it was just, it was amazing to watch. When I say that it's the greatest privilege of my life to know this God and to trust Him, I really mean that. This is the most joyful thing in my life, to know this God and to watch His hand move. And anyways, we got um, into January, about a year ago, I suppose, and I still had $2,500 on my credit card, and we were headed into a weekend. My family was driving, all of us together. And we told the kids, we don't always tell them, but we told them, we said, we need $2,500. We would like to pray that the Lord will provide $2,500. And, um, and so Rebecca prayed first. She sits over there, and then Danny, and then Lynn, and then me. And we just simply asked the Lord for $2,500. We went in. We had a great weekend, a short weekend, a simple weekend. Um, we were on our way to the car on Sunday afternoon to begin our two-day drive home. And... Um, and a gentleman came up with an envelope, and he said, we wanted to share this with you, and he handed it to me. Um, I didn't open it until we got into the van later, um, but, but that was a check for $1,500. Um, it was a big gift. 
And before I could make it, uh, from when he handed me that, before I could make it back to the van, another gentleman came up and he said, my wife and I just wanted to share this with you. And he handed me a white envelope that had 10 crisp $100 bills in it. And um, you've heard people tell stories like this. And, and it's just such a joy to watch the Lord do things that only he can do. So I got into my van uh, with my kids who a day and a half before had prayed with us for $2,500. And I could show them a check for 1500 and then $10, $100 bills. And I could see my son with tears in his eyes say, praise the Lord, right? We have what we call an Ebenezer box on our shelf at home. And, um, and it's just a little shadow box with these little compartments. And we just put little things in there that remind us of the miracles that we've seen the Lord do. And I'm telling you this specifically to illustrate this specific point. Lean not on your own understanding. If you're the kind of person that fights to be able to work things out on your own, and, and if you maybe you've recognized it, maybe you haven't, but there's a part of you that really likes to be independent from the Lord as opposed to dependent on the Lord, there's a part of me that wants that, to be big enough, strong enough, man enough to take care of my family, all the rest of it. The Lord will specifically move in lives so that he brings you to the place that you have no other choice but to trust in the Lord with all your heart and no other option but to lean not on your own understanding. So one way or another, he'll bring us into these situations. Maybe some of you are in this exact situation right now and you're in a situation where you have no other choice but to trust the Lord. You have nothing else to lean on except to lean on him because you cannot think yourself out of a situation. So trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Now we'll come right back here to Proverbs 3. And you're probably familiar with the verse. Uh, you can turn if you want. Jeremiah chapter 10. There's a great verse here that I want to share with you. Jeremiah chapter 10. And verse number 23. says this, Jeremiah 10, 23. O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Isn't that a nice verse? O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. So lean not on your own understanding. How much confidence should we be putting in ourselves? None, right? Did any of you attend the Florida Men's Bible Study? I know you did. We have a Bible study very similar to that in the Midwest. In fact, it was last week, and we're covering the upper room ministry. We just went over John 15. Apart from me, you can do nothing, right? How much confidence should we have? I was raised with this whole idea of self-confidence, right? self-awareness, self-love. That was something our, our family taught, self-esteem. Boy, I don't find that in the scripture at all. I find Christ's confidence, uh, dependence. I find those things, but not, not self. Lean not on your own understanding. So put your confidence in the Lord. Now, point number three, back in Proverbs chapter three. Point number three says this. In all your ways acknowledge him in all your ways acknowledge him there's our word all again 
We can't hold anything back. If you're holding anything back, it's offensive to the Lord. He demands the first. He demands the best. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all things, Jesus Christ might be preeminent. In our devotional life, in our Bible reading, in our family life at home, in our work life, in the local assembly, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. It's a simple it's a simple concept. Again, it's it takes the spirit of God's hand in a Christian's life to really to really apply this. What does it mean to in all your ways acknowledge him? I just want to share with you a letter that some young people in Southern California wrote. And I'll just I'll just read you a couple excerpts of this. In all your ways acknowledge him. Too often in my life I found myself satisfied with my salvation and not driven to be a real man of God. Too often in my life I've been comfortable with using God's grace to excuse my actions and my inaction. And too often, and more accurately, more often than not, have I simply been disobedient to my Lord and living Savior. The Lord has asked us to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. I can honestly say that I have never obeyed this. These past few weeks, I, along with other brothers, have been faced with the reality of our indifference and lack of fervor for Christ's commands. The realization of our half-hearted servitude has been capitalized by the recent study on the judgment seat of Christ. This eye-opening which the Lord has given has prompted a complete life change. Thanks also to some much-needed discipleship and personal openness, the Lord has allowed to impart to me and other brothers the importance of our positions in the assembly and how our lives are to be used for His service and the growth of not only the young people in the youth group, but the assembly as a whole. As you requested, I will share a little of what the Lord placed on our hearts to change in our lives for His glory. Frankly, there were many worldly lusts and forms of ungodliness that not only had crept into our lives, but that we enjoyed. Media and entertainment was something of a hindrance to our walks with the Lord Jesus Christ. Often we would get together for the express purpose of going out to spend money on a movie that not only didn't glorify the Lord, but that celebrated ungodliness. From movies to video games to television, we had allowed the lusts of this world, of which we are supposed to be mere strangers, to become an integral part of our lives. Thankfully, the Lord in His grace and mercy has burdened our hearts to rid our lives of the filth and the things that had stolen away the time that belongs to Him. One thing we are doing is getting rid of movies and games that had hindered us. We have each packed boxes, and in a week or so we'll be going out to the desert to shoot them. We feel that this will not only be a fun and memorable way to rid ourselves of the temptations we have had, but a way for us to further bond in our dedication to move forward for the Lord together. Now I'm going to skip part of what he says. He finishes with this. We hope that this is an encouragement to any who may hear this. We know there is much work to be done, but by his grace and his strength, we aim to become stronger men for God. We are very thankful for the encouragement and the words the Lord used to used you to give us. In all things we will by prayer as we journey through this world. No, oh, excuse me. In all things we will be in prayer as we journey through this world and with the Lord's strength alone we will be able to stand before him unashamed. The Lord uh, radically changed this assembly. 
and I'm just going to leave a lot of the details out, but three years ago, um, there was a young guy who decided not to live, not to get married and stay in the assembly because he couldn't imagine his family and raising a family in the assembly. And I understand what he was seeing. Uh, it was a hurting, struggling, uh, spiritually, I don't know, lukewarm would be the best thing probably you could say. Uh, three years later, um, they've seen revival. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And so this is just one little example of a group of young people that thought that through in their life. And they thought, are we in all of our ways acknowledging him? And the Spirit of God showed them, you're wasting a tremendous amount of the time of your life with things that don't matter at the judgment seat of Christ, while a dying world is out there waiting to hear about the Lord. And so they, they just radically cleaned house. And, um, and they're pressing on zealously today. So, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And then point number four, he shall direct your paths. I'm just going to make one little comment about this. And the, the idea in the Hebrew is this. Um, he shall smooth out your paths. He shall make level your paths. Or he shall remove obstacles from your paths. Now, it's funny, you make that point from the Hebrew, and it sounds like you're preaching a health and wealth gospel. But that's exactly what the, the Hebrew means. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. If you lean, lean not on your own understanding, if you in all your ways acknowledge him, then this says, he shall smooth out your paths, he shall make level your paths, he shall remove obstacles from your paths. Anybody who's lived the Christian life very long at all knows that the Christian life is not easy. In fact, the Christian life is a life of burdens. Sometimes the burdens are so great that you know without the strength of an omnipotent God, you couldn't endure, you couldn't even press on. Sometimes the Christian life is incredibly difficult. But I just want to joyfully say tonight, to this point number four, amen. The Christian life is the greatest life in the world. I've watched the Lord smooth out my paths. I've watched the Lord make level my paths. I've watched the Lord remove obstacles from my paths. Overwhelmingly, the life of the life in Jesus Christ and a life for Jesus Christ, the life of trusting Him, acknowledging Him in everything, and not leaning on your own understanding, it is the greatest life in, in the world. Even though there's times that are so uncomfortable, there's times where the Lord stretches us and challenges us and he rebukes us as we walk intimately with him what does his light do it shines on us right hence me feeling right like i just feel like i'm wrong all the time you walk closely with him his light boy it just shows you how disgustingly selfish you still are maybe it's just the little reactions in your heart right maybe you got over the physical reactions a long time ago and the Lord's just showing you the little subtle things. Well, I just want to just joyfully say that the Lord is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Trusting in Him, knowing Him, is the greatest joy of my life. He specifically leads us into a life where we, we cannot lean on our own understanding. We have to trust Him. In all of our ways, if we acknowledge Him, then we can watch His hand smoothing out our paths, removing obstacles from our paths, and directing our paths. Praise the Lord. I'm going to turn it back over to our brother. There he is.